This is the Dirt Reporters Podcast for the week of August 8th. Uh, I'm your host, D-Swap, Derek Kessinger, joined by the beautiful editorial staff of Kevin Kovac, Kyle McFadden, and if you see here below me, uh, Robert Holman, he's black and white. He is uh, yet to get online yet. I don't know if he's still sleepy from the deep fried 75 or he uh, completely missed what time we were doing it, but I think he did agree that it was okay to record this on Monday since our, uh, you know, guys will be traveling and have other obligations. Also, my uh, son, Tommy, he might make an appearance. He's at home today as well because he usually is on Mondays. We usually record on Tuesday. So if you see me leave, you guys can continue this. I don't know if he's, like, going through the pantry or whatnot, but right now he's dialed in, Kovac. He's uh, he's uh, he's playing in the toy room. So I think hopefully we're good, at least here for the first half of the pod. All right, let's go, Tommy. Hope you, I, I want to see Tommy come in and say hello. You know, maybe he can make he a had, comment about the USA Nationals or something. Oh, he uh, heard me yelling that the other night in that close photo finish. Also, <laughs> he might have some uh, takes uh, and uh, thoughts on what our topic will be on be later today. Yeah. So, Kovac, Cedar Lake, uh, new racing surface. Everybody was gloating about it. I had fans say, man, that track was awesome. They didn't have to farm it really the whole weekend until they, you know, sprinkled a little bit before that 100-lap feature. Uh, Bobby Pierce took the lead. He was leading. Uh, Hudson O'Neill is kind of like reverse rolls at Deer Creek a little bit. Got behind lap traffic. Huddy made this run, and oh, so close. <laughs> Photo finish pretty much. Pierce gets by Hudson O'Neill. We've been saying it. Common theme throughout this entire podcast this year. And really, if you look in at the last three or four years of big races, that one car and 32 car just glued. And we had another instant classic to add to their chapter of their little rivalry they have on the racetrack. But what was it like there, Kovac? The fans were probably going nuts. It was a phenomenal race on a new race surface that everybody loved. Oh, yeah, that surface was uh, – it got a lot of good reviews. They brought some uh, mix. It wasn't like a complete new surface. I mean, that's a little dangerous right before a big race to, you know, throw the roll the dice like that. But – uh, they brought in, you know, at, at least 10 truckloads. That's what the, the talk was um, of like clay that they use up at Superior, Wisconsin track, uh, Gondick Law Speedway. And it just had like a little more of a reddish tone. I guess it reminded of a lot of uh, the people that are veterans uh, of a more of a 90s look to, to Cedar Lake. And uh, and Mark Richards, you know, Rocket Chassis House Car, and he's been going to Cedar Lake uh, since like about 96, he thinks. Um, missed a few years in there. It's about it. And won it four times and, and he said it was the best he's seen that racetrack in a long time it just had like a uh you know i don't know if it kept a little moisture stayed together better uh it it just was it was racy i mean there was there was a there was a you could go to the top you go to the bottom there's a little bit of a middle and uh of course in the feature on saturday's feature it really uh it, it was the top where it was one at at the end a lot of guys thought it would be the middle it would kind of migrate down to that middle and it wouldn't stay, uh, you know, you may have run that cushion the whole time, but man, Bobby Pierce and Hudson O'Neill, they just kept running it and running it. And, you know, they, they knew that that would be a little more dangerous with their tire wear. Uh, that would probably wouldn't have much tire left at the end, but uh, I know Bobby a couple times came off of it to try to save some stuff. But then when Hudson started running it, uh, you know, really hard, maybe 20 to go. He Hudson had fallen back on one of the restarts, had to kind of fight back there around on lap 60. Uh, man, it, Bobby was like, last 20 laps, got to burn that tire to the ground, just keep going. And and nobody else got close. Uh, you know, Brandon Shepard was running third for a while. He stayed with them on the top. Kind of looked like Houston's when it was Brent, when it was Sheppy, 
uh, Pierce and O'Neill in, you know, in those three top three spots running around the top uh, two, uh, a couple weeks ago. Um, this time it was just shuffled up a little bit with uh, Bobby O'Neill and, and Brandon. Then Brandon kind of fell back, saved his stuff a little bit, and he started getting a flat tire at the end. So he was out of the picture. Two guys. Uh, Bobby had a little, he looked like he had, had it in control, maybe about, you know, 10 to go. And then uh, Hudson started making some, you know, just making some time, being a little more calm, making some good laps. And then that last lap, he dove, he sent that baby in there in turn three so hard. It's like, he looked like he might go out of the ballpark for a second, but he hit that cushion, was able to come off. Looked like he might be able to take that, might be able to get him back to the line. But man, Bobby made a perfect crossover, made the move came in there and got him by half calling. At least this time we knew who won. We didn't have to go to transponders, didn't have to go to the video. Uh, we knew that uh, he won by about a half a car length. And now we got a visitor too, right, Tommy? Maybe Tommy yes, wants to Tommy. Say hi, Tom. <laughs> up, Yeah, Tommy? he has a huge What's comment. Uh, can you say go, Pierce? Go. Yeah, go something. All right. <laughs> go yeah, that was, uh, we can clearly tell who won that race. Uh, just an awesome racetrack. And your story that you had about the – you know, the surface as well, because doing something like that, you know, before a big race or, you know, in the season can take a toll or we saw Eldora last year where it just didn't work out, but Hey, it was a home run hit, pretty good car count. Uh, what do you make of this uh, summer surgeons, Kyle McFadden of Bobby Pierce? I know like three or four weeks ago, we were saying Ricky Thornton Jr. And Bobby Pierce are going to be racing a lot of times, you know, this summer, Bobby Pierce, I think somebody tweeted at me his, you know, beat him in a lot of races, but Ricky Thornton still continuing, you know, winning obviously the Parader Classic and other races. This is starting to shape up to be a two-horse battle. I think when we see the rank, all the rankings will be out, but we haven't voted yet. When the rankings come out on Tuesday, since we're recording Monday, there'll be a lot of different uh, scenarios. Yeah, I, I could tell that when I was out in the Midwest in that Heartland Speed Week swing with Outlaws, last month that Bobby Pierce was really getting his race program dialed in. The confidence had always been there, but in terms of the consistency and, and, and really making it happen when it matters most late in the races or late in the going, um, you know, he was really, I could watching him and like following him that whole week, like nine straight days. It was like six or seven races in nine days. Um, and just kind of feeling that more of a, um, like a launching, like a springboard, like that week, like I felt like that week was really the springboard and, and the launching pad uh, into where he is now. And uh, he is absolutely making a run. Um, I'd say a driver of the year, even after Ricky Thornton Jr. last week, wins the Prairie Dirt Classic over Bobby Pierce, a race that Bobby has obviously been wanting to win for a very long time. And Ricky Thornton walks in in his second Prairie Dirt Classic or third, no more than three times, I think, and wins wins the race. Um, I think we're all thinking then, well, we, we know where this is headed in terms of like the driver of the year. Then obviously Bobby comes right back and uh, he and Hudson put in or turn in another incredible almost photo finish again. So, um, yeah, Bobby, you know, he's always been at the top of our wins list, right? And dirt late model racing year in and, and, and year out. And, um, you know, now he's, he's just 
taken that focus onto the road more, um, you know, with the Outlaws this year too. And it could obviously very well lead to a championship at the end of the year. So um, I think, you know, there's still uh, lots of opportunity left, right, for Bobby to, to continue to reel off those crown jewels. And, and so uh, Ricky Thornton Jr., he doesn't have it wrapped up quite yet. And it's quite, um, I don't want to use the word like remarkable, but um, it's just fascinating that even though that Ricky Thornton Jr., I feel like to put what you're asking here into perspective, like I feel like Ricky Thornton Jr. isn't, is, um, he, you know, he's having a career season, um, maybe not like one of the best seasons in dirt late, late model history yet. He could, that's possible. Um, but, you know, for Ricky Thornton Jr. to have the season he's having and for Pierce to be keeping pace with that, um, you know, for sure speaks to, to, to where he's at right now with his race program. So, yeah, not surprised to see it. And uh, I think it's going to be a, from now through the World 100, I think we'll have more answers on, on that as to, as to which, which driver, um, you know, I'll be voting for as to um, who my number one pick will be and ultimately driver of the year once the season ends. Yeah, Tommy's jacked up. You can hear him in the background about this two-horse battle ever having there. And I think he's probably just still celebrating that close finish with uh, Hudson O'Neill and Bobby Pierce. we got plenty of racing left. They're going to be racing the north-south this week together, which I know Ricky Thornton passed Bobby Pierce during the Castle race, you know, the closing laps there. Uh, I don't know, Kovac. What do you think about this? It's, it's going to make it interesting because they're like a month ago. We were saying Ricky Thornton Jr. is kind of just going away and it's – kind of becoming a dominant performance, but Pierce is making it interesting. Oh yeah. Pierce, you look at it right now. Both of them have about $600,000 in earnings uh, this season. I mean, that's up there. I mean, that they're, they're both in the neighborhood now. I mean, in, in the realm here of thinking about a million dollar season, they could hit that, that number uh, if they keep going, <clears throat> win the championships. Also, it could come down to, if uh, if if they both get a couple more big wins, you know, big crown jewel wins, uh, if you, if it, it, the determining factor could be, well, who won their national title? And what could be very strange, I guess, is it looks like if Ricky Thornton goes in there, I mean, how do we factor that in? That, that's that's kind of what I'm saying here. If Ricky Thornton has a pretty big lead on second place going into that dirt track world championship at a at a at Eldora this year with the top four deal. Like if you would have looked at him and be like, all right, he would have already won the championship in the normal year. But now he has to face this top four deal at, uh, at Eldora. And then he doesn't win it. He doesn't become, he doesn't end the season as a Lucas oil champion. And, and Bobby Pierce does win the world of outlaw title. Do we, how do we factor that in? Do we, do we figure like, well, Thornton didn't win the championship, but he would have won it in the past year. Like if, uh, if the points, you know, shake out that way where he'd been so far ahead. That's we'll have to, I guess, consider that in, in the driver of the year, <clears throat> you know, con, you know, conversation. Uh, although it, it's, it's possible Ricky Thornton has so many other wins at that point that it doesn't matter. But I, I, uh, I do think Pierce is coming on good. He's really strong. He's seven of the last 15 races in the, with the world of outlaws, Bobby Pierce has won. 
That's a that's a pretty good percentage with the Outlaws. A guy like Brandon Shepard hasn't won any of those full field races yet. Uh, and Bobby comes in the first year. And, and it, this is one of the most impressive performances, you could say. Uh, He's a cherry picker, though, Kovac, remember? Yeah. Yeah, they all say he's cherry picker and all that, right? summer nationals, and he comes on a national tour. This guy is good. This guy, Bob Pierce, is good, and he, he's turning a corner this year, I think, too. He's not really – he's not being he's – he's still involved with some scrapes. You know, he still gets involved with some stuff, but it's not, like, as much as uh, as in the past. Seems like he might have, like, toned things down a little bit, and, and he's right racing smarter, a uh, little mature, more mature. And, and if he could uh, – when it comes out and wins a World of Outlaws title the first year, he's back – Against uh, with on a tour that had Brandon Shepard, a four-time champion, back Chris Bannon back on the tour, who everybody was pretty much putting as a favorite to win the title. He comes out and beats those guys, uh, especially. That's a that's a big feather in the cap, and it's and it's uh, going to take a championship probably on the other side for Ricky Thornton if all other things are are together, factors are are together, and you know maybe it's it's like who gets driver of the year, who gets a million dollar win in, in earnings because that's a possibility for both of them. Yeah, both phenomenal years. Uh, both have been close. Boone, that's a crazy thing, Kovac. The week before, uh, Ricky Thornton Jr. won 160 grand, and then this week, Pierce like I'll flex my muscles and win all the races during the week. So it's just going back and forth like a like a seesaw there. Uh, Kyle McFadden, uh, any other th- weekend thoughts that you saw or that you noticed before we get into our topic, really quick? Maybe we'll wait yeah, and see I if just- Robert gets on here. I had mentioned it in my fast talk, but like Tanner English, I believe that was his 13th podium without a feature win this year. So um, I know he has that split field semi-feature win uh, back at April at the Alabama gang 100 at Talladega short track, but that's it. I mean, that's, that's the only time that, you know, Tanner's visited victory lane this year. So sure. His time's coming. It's not that he's, had a bad year uh, in this you know first season with Viper Motorsports, but um, I thought that and and, and um, just know that his time's coming here pretty soon. So um, definitely that was that was in my my top three takeaways um, from Cedar Lake this this past weekend. Yeah, Tanner English has got kind of that, you know, Mr. Consistency role here. Maybe he can get some wins. I know he's going to a track in a couple weeks uh, at Davenport, where he won two of the three, I think, the year before. So maybe he can get some wins and get the the momentum rolling. There he is, big shot Bob, Robert Holman. He's in the house finally. We were getting worried about you. We were getting ready to send send some people over to make sure you're okay. Wellness check. uh, This new time kind of messed me up. I was – uh, out of sorts. Sorry, guys. It's all right. We got to see your beautiful face. We just talked about uh, the two-horse battle between Bobby Pierce and Ricky Thornton Jr. The week before, Prairie Dirt Classic Week, RTJ wins 160. Then Pierce dominates this week, holding on. I mean, in terms of money, he dominated Ricky Thornton, and then he held on to that victory for 50000 We're just kind of saying it's pretty exciting that we got these two guys just duking it out. A lot of crown jewels will be competing against each other to see who can take that uh, driver of the year, Ray. Uh, it's it's uh it is really nice and and like we kind of talked about in our fast talk you know how long are we going to watch uh all these young cats go out and you've got uh rtj you've got uh pierce you've got uh you've got hudson o'neill you've got all these young guys 
thing. And now that you have to have Pierce emerging out of kind of nowhere to kind of challenge RTG for the driver of the year deal. Uh, like you said, uh, a few, something we expected uh, two months ago. And uh, I mean, both of these guys, every time one of them wins, you're like, he's on a heater. You're almost for, for months now, you know? So, uh, so yeah, I think that uh, it's going to go right down to the wire. And like Kevin said, what if, you know, what if, uh, you know, RTJ doesn't win, you know, the Lucas oil deal. And, you know, in my opinion, uh, that's just, if he, if he's leading those points and he doesn't win it, I'm not even thinking about it. You know, it's just one, one race. Now, if Bobby Pierce wins that race, that's a whole different got something else to consider you know if pierce wins it but if somebody other than pierce or rtj wins that finale of like dead even like this like we think it kind of is going into that race then uh then i'm not i'm not even considering that that race you know uh because if if it's like uh if we're looking at who wins the points you know i'm not i think we know my opinion on that points format already so we won't, we won't dive into that yeah it's going to be awesome to the finish we got plenty of crown jewels will be i'm sure they're going to race against each other at charlotte we got the dirt track world championship i mean we still got four months of uh full full-blown racing that these two will be battling out all knoxville nationals they'll be both at so it's gonna be very exciting get your popcorn ready uh kovac another reason people love cedar lake and get your popcorn ready is those uh lights are off you got the glow sticks you got the chicago bulls theme song he thinks usually playing a lot of the times. they turn off the lights they do a cool uh show for the driver introductions it could we've been there like 1 30 in the morning because of a rain and they still do them it could be right at dark because they're trying to rush the show they're still going to do them uh, it's just part of the rich history of the USA Nationals, uh, and that's what our topic's going to be, just driver introductions. Uh, should we have, like, bylaws? Like, if it's after a certain time, should they not do them? Um, do you like in-car driver introductions on the front stretch? If you're going to do driver introductions, I think the – I mean, we'll get to it more, but I think the drivers should be out waving at the crowd or vice versa unless you're doing something like Cedar Lake. So we'll go around the room. First question is, What's your overall thoughts of driver introductions? And I think, you know, I think most of us can agree they're, they're, they can be used very well in our sport. It just maybe we got to tweak it up with the bylaws a little bit. Well, I, I like a, a driver introduction if it's to get the crowd, you know, pumped up and stuff. And it, it's always neat at Eldora seeing, uh, you know, get hearing the crowd. It's like I, I use that as a gauge, like who's the most popular drivers out there now, you know? Uh, I mean, who, do, who people care about the most and, and you could hear that, like, you know, when Scott Bloomquist was is always uh, introduced or you know, Bobby Pierce, Jonathan Davenport, they get a lot of noise. And, 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 and it's cool, you know, it's, it's like a, a bigger, makes it a bigger event, of, it feels like, when you have that. But, of course, I don't think introductions should be going on at 11 o'clock or after, or even, even after 10 o'clock or something. Shouldn't have something long, drawn-out intros if it's getting later. Uh, people aren't as into it as much. Uh, they, they only want to get to the race, you know? And so if you're going to have intros, that should be part of your plan of the night's program. Don't have so much racing 
uh, on the program that you go late and potentially uh, are going to be doing intros, uh, you know, pretty late in the night. Uh, let's have intros, uh, you know, planned out. If, if it's, I, 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 I think I talked about this earlier this year, like Talladega short track, uh, when, uh, you know, the pleasant surprise of, was when, when we talked about earlier after I went to their, uh, Alabama gang 100 back in, uh, 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 back in April for the world of outlaws. And, uh, they made the schedule, right. They did a good job. They did driver intros. They had a walk through, you know, sort of like the, uh, indoor race at gateway where the drivers can, you know, do a little personality there, do something. They come through the smoke and come through a curtain. Uh, they did that in the, in the home stretch. I mean, you know, in the infield, but they did it and it was like nine o'clock, you know, they, and they had plenty of other races left to go, but they didn't run all those races first and then do this driver intro. They just came right out with it at nine, uh, right around nine o'clock. And, and that was, I'm fine with that. It made it, made it a bigger event when you have that, those kind of intros, uh, when it's all in a good flow too. And, uh, so, uh, that's that's my that's, that should be in the bylaws i think don't be shouldn't be having so much races that it's going to take forever to get to those intros kyle you agree with that point like if there's like a certain threshold for time and we've talked about it plenty of times come back do fans really care what time a feature starts i mean there might be a little amount but we could we've seen races start at any time in the very next year they're going to be jam-packed or have a good crowd but like you said you want to keep that momentum of it and have like the crowd at their full you know uh full like going crazy state so do you agree with that kyle with the you know might have a threshold on time or like what do you what's your take on the whole driver intros yeah for sure i think kovac mentioned the key reason as to why we do the driver intros right and it's for the race fan and so um and it's to 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 build the hype and the momentum or, or to uh just add to the momentum into the night into the feature, right? Or from the night into the feature. And so, um, yeah, after a certain time, 10 PM, I'd say, um, if you're approaching 10 PM and you know, you're just getting cars to the staging lane, you should probably just get the feature rolling. And so, um, because like Eldora's a, the, the perfect gauge too. I, I was literally just thinking that as Kevin like mentioned, Anybody who's been to Eldora knows exactly what Kevin was talking about there when when uh, a driver's introduced and, um, you know, you see things on social media. Right. But until you're down. On the racetrack like we are taking in all the driver intros uh, and you hear a guy like Jonathan Davenport. Um, who was on a rampage of a season last year, obviously. Um, you hear him get some booze by the time the World 100 rolls around by the end of the year. It, 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 it's quite telling. Um, and as to how the fans uh, are perceiving the drivers that we cover and write about on a weekly basis. So, uh, but it all goes back, obviously, to the fan. And um, I think you know, of all of the major events in our sport, you know, I've never covered the Gateway Dirt Nationals, but um, I've always thought that their driver intros were um, the, had the most pomp and had the most, I, I guess, fan interaction, you know, just because just of its uh, uh, tight knit nature inside of the dome. But 
Um, yeah, nothing that's too drawn out, too flashy, flamboyant. Uh, I'm with that. Eldora, to me, uh, nothing tops just the simple fact of how Eldora does their um, driver intros with the drivers walking through a victory lane or, or, or being staged on the ramp and walking across um, or being ushered across the track um, or ushered across victory lane there and then down into their cars. And so um, just, you know, that simple um, and, and just like having good pace, obviously, too, with the driver intros and because uh, fans obviously want to see the main event. Um, but it all goes back to the race fan. And um, so keeping it simple and swift, but yet, you know, nothing too uh, extraneous and uh, too pretentious at the same time. Yeah, I agree. I think we, majority of people, if it's like getting to midnight, 11 o'clock, 1030, okay, we can calm it down a little. Let's just do driver intros, you know, really quickly or like simple, like you're saying. Kovac, there is some good ones out there, though. So we got to appreciate the promoters that you want to do like the car with the lights off. Oh, Gateway, obviously, it's kind of becoming like a WWE type where people are getting more and more uh, crazy with their ideas. More signs are popping up. Uh, if you're promoting a race, what, are you going to do driver intros? Are you going to say just start the race? Or how's Kevin Kovac going to do handle his? And I think we lost Robert. Huge storm going through Tennessee. So if we get him back on, we'll definitely hear from him. But uh, it's a tough Monday for you know, Big Shot Bob. Uh, yeah, it's like yeah, it's like yeah. He might might he was worried he might be losing us. Be uh, might be getting locked up because his internet might go off uh, with the storm. But um, my my I, I would I want to have intros at my racetrack, uh, my event. Uh, I think it's it, it definitely helps get everybody pumped up for a race, and and it, it is cool a gateway. People drivers are really like they think about it now, what they want to do, like some sort of little uh, little little show they want to put on when they're coming through. Uh, that smoke and and it's cool at Cedar Lake every year when they shut the lights off and everybody this year by the way the blinky uh, item was like some sort of big necklace they had like everybody had they handed out necklaces coming in and uh, everybody had those up in the stands and it looked really neat up those stands when lights are off and there's just a spotlight coming on the race car as they uh, come out of turn uh, turn uh, two onto the racetrack although this year really nobody did anything there was a few years like at cedar lake that guys would have something on the roof of their car or they hold a flag out or just do something a little bit different but everybody pretty much just came out you know gunned the motor a few times and and got in line uh but it did get the crowd going a little bit more although it was a little later though i, I wish it would have been earlier uh, my intros, I'm going to make sure I'm going to make a time. Uh, you think about it when you have NASCAR intros, you know, NASCAR cup series race, you know, or, or, or even, you know, the, at any NASCAR race, there's a set time for that. Dirt track racing is so loosey goosey with this kind of stuff. You know, I mean, we, we have all these other races, like just as, for example, at Cedar Lake, you had not B mains, you had to run heat races for the Cedar Lake late models and B mains and their feature. You had to do track prep. You can't just set a time that says, like, I mean, you could, you could set a time at nine o'clock and totally, you know, like, say, all right, if we're not ready at nine o'clock to do intros uh, because we still have uh, racing to go with Cedar Lake late models, we're going to, like, stop it. You know, we're going to redo this schedule and we're going to bring the late models out for their, uh, you know, but that doesn't always happen with, with uh, dirt track racing. So you can't set a time, which is the first, one of the first thing people see when they're going to a NASCAR race. 
the first like kind of event would be the intros. Um, it's not like that with dirt track racing, but I would try to set a time and, you know, Hey, nine o'clock. I, I, I personally, I wouldn't even have as so much racing that it would potentially mess up that whole schedule. Uh, I, I'm going to feature my big race on Saturday night, start those uh, driver introductions and have something cool. I mean, I, I, you know, do so. I, I like the drivers coming across the stage, coming in front of the people at, fi at the firecracker 100. Uh, remember when I was with the world of outlaws, uh, one cool uh, in intro one year and, and it wasn't late too. It was like, I think the lights uh, was barely getting dark at that point for the firecracker, probably like in 2008, maybe it might've been the second one. I'm not sure if it was the first had the drivers walk through the stands, came out from behind the stands and, and all walk in the front of the grandstands and, you know, they could high five some kids and stuff. And then they went onto the racetrack with their cars already waiting on the track. They kind of, you know, they went through the gate at the front stretch and uh, went into, onto the racetrack. I thought that was pretty neat. There was time to do it. There was only one division deal. Uh, that's the kind of thing I would do. Try to get like uh, some deal where they, the drivers could even high five, get those kids all lined up and, uh, and make them high five the drivers as they're going to, going out to their cars oh yeah my favorite uh is the parking on the straightaway their cars you know point their nose pointing at the stands and they're getting out and then like you know fans are running up to the fence trying to get a quick autograph i mean like every single big race at fairbury and farmer city they would always do that and then like you got to hear like the reactions of the crowd right then and there uh, kind of like what they did for the Falls Draw, Kovac, where they're all like there on the backstretch. Everybody's, you know, cheering or booing. But that's the whole point. Mm -hmm. You want to get the place getting rowdy. You want to hear the people booing the villain. I remember at uh, Knoxville, the one that uh, Berkey won, Scott Blumquist goes across the stage and he moons the crowd, like fake moons the crowd, and the whole place is going bananas and boos him. And then it comes back. The crotch and chop, too. The cr yeah. Right? The crotch he, he chop, too, for him, right? He, he gets beat on the last lap, last corner. So, like, it kind of just, like, circled around. And then, like, J.D., he gets so many boos at Eldora now because he – it's because he wins all the time. It's crazy. And then Bobby Pierce, he's obviously the most polarizing, you know, currently with, like, the biggest cheers and the biggest boos. Kind of has that Scott Bloomquist-like treatment. But it always gets you pumped up, jacked, ready to go. Um, the one thing, though, Kovac, about your point is, like, you would just stop the show and just start at 9 p.m. with that and – yeah, I would kind of agree with you, but again, like the promoters are thinking, like that's going to be anticlimactic if we have the winner. It's a, like, especially the other night, you have the winners. It's a photo finish. Oh, none of the fans can go like see their driver yeah. afterwards. Right. Yeah, that, that's that's Nationals. the problem with having the double divisions, right? That's why. Yeah, that's yeah, why I think. Yeah. That's why I think a lot of people don't do that, and you know. But yeah, I agree. Like, just have less races. Maybe you just do like a point system for the NASCAR late models and just kind of run B mains just like you would, but all in all that they are pretty fun and uh, they're, you know, great for the fans, a uh, good experience. And I think Kyle McFadden, it helps out like the younger fans. I think at Cedar Lake, you're holding a light stick, waving around the music's playing. And you're, if you're kind of like a first timer, younger kid, I think it definitely helps you think at least in my mind, I'd be like, Oh hell yeah, I'm going back. This is badass. Anything that's interactive. Absolutely. You know, um, with, the younger fans, especially something like a glow stick or I remember just like going to the tracks, you know, as a young, young, wee, wee little boy and uh, getting those like grab bags, right. Of, um, you know, like little flags, like little checker flags, little matchbox cars, glow sticks, uh, just like anything, right. To, 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 to make the younger fan feel involved 
and um, also music too. Like I was just like thinking through like, you know, what's made a good driver introduction. Um, at least, well, this one's not in dirt late model racing, but I remember, I don't know if they do this at the NASCAR cup races or NASCAR races at Bristol Motor Speedway still, but I know like in Major League Baseball or just baseball, you have your your batters, a uh, walk-up music, right? Um, I know they did that um, for like the NASCAR races at Bristol, and that always got the fans hyped up too. So maybe if there has, if that hasn't been done in dirt late model racing, maybe if there's a way, if you know tracks have that capability um, for drivers to you know send in their their like batter like or their like walk-up song or their a walk-up music and um you know maybe try to evoke more reaction out of fans um that way too so um but no it's a cool topic uh and one that is definitely um should be taken taken advantage of when when presented of the right opportunity yeah and it's, it's become tradition for Gateway Dirt Nationals. Obviously, that's inside, and they kind of get their B-mains and heat races done and try to start at, like, that 7 p.m., and then you have, like, the cool scenario we saw this past weekend with the cars and the lights. So it's a tradition in a lot of tracks. Uh, with, you know, promoters and series, just make sure you guys have the proper timing when you're doing it. Maybe, you know, for future events, you're working out the schedule for Saturday. Maybe we'll start a half hour earlier, get these B mains done so we can start at 9, 9.30 or whatever you're planning on to start that feature. Well, I know we're a lot of variables in late model racing just because of all the different uh, events going on and races and different uh, uh, genres of cars. So we'll have to you know, keep an eye on that. But, hey, I think they're made for a sport. They get everybody entertained. It has the younger fans interacting and having a good time. So, uh, I think they're going to be here to stay. Let's just, you know, tweak it, tweak it a little bit. Have some bylaws, right, Kevin Kovac? Uh, speaking of Kevin Kovac, what is your one more thing? We'll finish this thing up. I'll go. You go first. I'll go, and then we'll have Kyle finish it off. Yeah, uh, from Cedar Lake this past weekend, uh, yeah, give a little shout-out, a little uh, pat on the back to Kai Blight, our Australian uh, racer who, you know, comes over here from down, comes from down under to – to race. I think he's been here since what May now. I'll be here through uh, September uh, running the Paul Stubbers car. Uh, he made his first 100 lap crown jewel event uh, this weekend at, at Cedar Lake. Uh, he qualified through the B- had a good weekend. Uh, the- Friday wasn't as good. Had some started off really well in the Thursday show. Had some good qualifying effort. Got the he was in 11th in points after the first night. Kind of was in position to lock in uh, if he wouldn't have had some troubles on uh, on Friday. But he made it through the B main on on Saturday. Uh, qualified and he, I think he finished two laps down. So he, he went, you know, he, he was out there at the end of the race. Uh, he was very proud, very happy uh, to make that race. He is really good guy. Kai is a real friendly guy. Everybody who talks to him, uh, everybody should go talk to him in the pits because uh, he's always, uh, he's always like a, you know, a very approachable, uh, you know, guy down there and an approachable racer. And it was good to see him make it. And he's really come on, too. I think he's really starting to get the hang. He doesn't get to race much in Australia. Like he said his whole season last year was eight races. He runs that in a couple <laughs> of weeks, it seems like, now over here. So <clears throat> he was uh, – he, he's showing a lot of improvement, too, in qualifying better a lot of these summer nationals races he's been to. 
and you know, good to see him in that race. And and also he has a new buddy. I just wanted to mention that too. He has a new little buddy, little Sheppy, Jace Shepard, uh, oh, Shepard's son, nine year old Jace. I saw after the race, there's there's Jace hanging out with Kai. Apparently, uh, Jace really likes Kai Blight, and he also likes Drake Troutman, who's uh, you know, in 19, 18 years old. So he likes these, uh, you know, he liked that well, younger guy the with the younger crew. Yeah, that's right. He he can fit right in on the crew with Drake Troutman. But uh, Brandon said, you know, his 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 son really loves those guys and is hanging around with them all weekend at Cedar Lake. Yeah, shout out to the driver from down under, Kai Blight, uh, trying to become a full time racer in the United States and trying to get a you know big race team. Behind him, obviously, in the United States, he has Paul Stubborn. Yeah, he's definitely improved a whole bunch. Uh, let's see if he can maybe uh, make the World 100. He'd be the first Aussie to ever do that. That'd be pretty wild. He can qualify, that's for damn sure. He said his biggest thing is, though, when the tracks get dry slick, because he's, you know, in Australia, they stay hammered down the whole time, and uh, that's his cup of tea. But, so, but he's getting better and better, like Kovac said. My one more thing is a uh, shout out to Rusty Schlank at the Wood Tick, $35,000 richer. Uh, you know, going up to there in Michigan for the Wood Tick, had a good car count. Kyle Busch is there, uh, past Travis Stimler. But it's just kind of crazy. He wins $35,000, and five years ago, three years ago, be like, hell, that was a sweet win for Rusty Schlenk. And now it's kind of, you know, under the radar because we had that great photo finish at uh, Cedar Lake and just so many dang crown jewels that paid fifty grand. But $35,000 for a, you know, Rusty Schlenk to win a regional guy more and working on chassis and stuff like that to get that win. It was, I know it was a very big, huge deal. So shout out to Rusty Schlenk with the big time win there up at Wood Ticket Merritt. All right, Kyle, one more thing, finish this off strong. I'll finish this one off here for Robert. Um, Mike Marther picking up that deep ride 75 victory at duck river, let all 75 laps over Dale McDowell, which was a pretty good field. And, and if it wasn't for Mike, Mikey Marler, you know, covering the field by uh, three seconds there um, in that victory. You know, that was a uh, heck of a battle between Peyton Freeman and Dale McDowell and Jaden Frame for second, pretty much most of that race. So uh, enjoyed watching that one. And uh, I know that Robert put out some good stories here, too. So uh, even though we missed him on the pod or he made his uh, brief appearance on the show here today, he uh, certainly turned in some really good stories to look back on from the weekend too so yeah and marler was in his blue horn so short lift on the rocket chassis yeah. we'll see if he brings that out the rest of the year so uh only you know a couple races or even one race weekend he's like you know what not our not our thing we're gonna go back to the blue horn picks up twenty thousand dollars uh for the win this weekend though we got the north south 100 paying 75 thousand dollars for the 41st annual sunoco race fuels north and south 100 we're gonna have an interview with josh king on swap talk tomorrow we got a whole bunch of cool content i'm sure we'll have great written articles as well uh big time race there it's uh we use the word crown jewel a lot but this is one of the originals it's you know so the test of time they're making it more and more to win each and every single year so be sure to keep your browsers locked in live at flow racing and great story articles as well at dirt on dirt.com I'm Derek Kessinger alongside Kevin Kovac and Kyle McFadden. Rest in peace, uh, Robert Holman. Hope we'll see him next week here on the Dirt Reporters. Thank you for watching.